Amen. Good morning, South City Church. It is a true joy and an honor for um, my family and I, uh, Jessica, Lauren, Cassie, who is at home because she has a big, huge, great, uh, not great, not great I was going to say great Parisian, a great Pyrenees, um, and a job that she needed to get back to a little bit sooner. Um, but Jessica, Lauren, and, and uh, Will are here with us, Cassie back in Chicagoland, and we are just thrilled to be here today um, with with friends who are like family, that would definitely be the Kleins, as well as with family. We've got uh, the Elrods right here sitting in the middle section of the middle pews, or middle section of the middle row here, and so uh, it is truly a joy to be able to worship with you today. And we are especially excited about this journey. Christy and I have been following with every single Facebook post uh, the, the Genesis, the catalyst of what is becoming South City Church here in Little Rock, and we are just so thrilled. I hope you know by now, just what an incredible, incredible heart um, that that Pastor Drew and Miss Lori. It's it's still kind of trying to figure you as a pastor's wife after all these years. I mean, that is is that still you wrapped your head around that yet? <laughs> he does, but it is man. You guys have got such an incredible, incredible uh, couple leading you in a beautiful family um, with their daughters, and man, you guys are just so blessed. I'm so excited. You guys have the the ingredients to see God do something amazing. You know why? Not because you have Drew and Lori, but because you have people here who are leading you who understand that it's not about them. It's all about. Him. They understand that it's all about the glory of God. It's all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's the one who does everything. We're going to spend some time talking about that here in just a few moments. Um, just echoing briefly as we kind of segue into today's teaching from Colossians chapter 1. Um, uh, this, is, this has not just been a difficult weekend for our country. Let's, let's face it. This has been a difficult season for our country. Really, uh, it seemed like um, I, I charted back to around even 10 years ago. We started to see uh, that maybe even 12, probably, probably when Obama announced his presidency, I think we started to see this thing that's been seething underground start to, to bubble to the surface. And then... Um, then uh, even eight years of, of his presidency, it seemed like it just seeds some more. And then, uh, of course, you know, we've just seen from the last couple of years, it's, it's really kind of just, just come to the surface. That, that, of course, the reality is it's been there all along, right? You know, I, I like hearing um, some of uh, people that I love and adore who are, shall we say, more experienced than I am, at least in living the number of years they've been on the earth, Talk about and pine away for the good old days. Anybody here ever heard somebody just say, man, I just wish it was like the good old days. And we'll watch an episode sometimes of the Andy Griffith show and say, man, why can't it just be like that? But the reality is, if you were to go to Mayberry, back when Mayberry was Mayberry, it was there. They just didn't talk about it back then. But it was there. It was hush-hush. It was secret, family secrets. It was in the closet. But it was there. Our country has needed the gospel for as long as it's existed. It's just now I think that need is a little bit more obvious. I don't want to do anything to make it worse. I'm good. All right. So what we saw happen yesterday, 
what we saw unfold in our country is really just another sign of something that's always been there. One of the things, though, that I have hope of is that as we see how bad things really have been all along, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, we'll realize that the way we've been doing things doesn't work. That maybe, just maybe, the things we've been placing our faith in to make things better doesn't work. That maybe, just maybe, just giving a little bit of lip service to God on Sunday mornings, uh, a little bit of our possessions that he's entrusted us to be stewards of to him, that, that being able to kind of have um, this American, Western civilized life of comfort and convenience with just a little bit of inconvenience, like when a missionary comes, you have to give that a little bit above and beyond. It's just not going to cut it. In fact, it never did. It's almost as though Satan brilliantly realized, if I could just lull them into complacency, if I could just make them think things are better than they are, then my job is a lot easier. I hope today, I hope today, once again, we have been reminded that the hope of our country, the hope for our families, your hope, it's not in politics or a politician. It's not in policies. It's not even in churches and church structures, right? It's not in rules, rituals, religious rites and regulations, is it? Where is our hope? Let's check it out. Galatians chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to read the entire text first and then go through it. We're going to read and, and just, just marinate in it together and, and drill down on some things that Paul comes back to over and over and over and over again. And I would imagine he does so under the Spirit's leadership for good reason. We begin... We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, I want us to stop right there and just focus on something. Anywhere the gospel is, anywhere this word of truth is, there is change. Anytime the gospel is truly embraced, anytime the gospel is allowed, I should say, to embrace us, there is change. He says this, this word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed, the whole, as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Wherever the gospel is allowed to embrace those who hear it, whenever those who hear it allow it to embrace them, whether it's in the schoolrooms or in the living rooms of a teacher from Beijing, China, or whether it's up in Yankee land, Cubs fans, I know, right? Yeah, even there, 
Yes, even the gospel can penetrate a Cubs fan's heart, right? To right here in South Little Rock. Wherever the gospel is submitted and surrendered to, whenever the Holy Spirit of God is allowed to, to be that thing which you sink your life to versus trying to make him wrap around yours, there is change. There's not just information, the word of truth. There is transformation, the bearing of fruit. And it happens everywhere, whether it's in Peru or whether it's in Afghanistan or whether it's in Iraq. It happens everywhere it is presented when it is allowed by the listener to embrace them the way we know it can. He goes on, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us you will love in the Spirit. And just briefly, this is Paul. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, Paul was a, <laughs> he was a hater of all things Christ. He was a hater of all things the gospel. Uh, he had placed his faith in the, the religious traditions and the rules and the rituals and regulations that he had thought were the way that you would please God. And um, God completely radically changed his life, literally, if you will, knocked him off his horse and uh, just completely, utterly changed him, much in the way he's going to describe here, as he does for all of us in the following verses. And it just so happens that he has heard a lot about this church, this, this congregation, this fellowship of believers in Colossae. And, and he's, he's, he knows that it's being uh, served and led by this Epaphras. The, the irony is he's never been there. All indications from scriptures. This isn't a church that he's been to or that he's met. He's probably met Epaphras. But this is just something that he's heard. And, and, and the Spirit of God has so moved in his heart as he's hearing what is frankly one of the few times you see in scripture where God inspires somebody to write to a group of people that are actually doing a good job. In fact, his whole desire, it seems to be, is being motivated by the Holy Spirit of God, wanting to kind of reach out and protect this cool, wonderful, beautiful thing that he's heard about that is going on in Colossae. He sees an emerging threat. He knows that there are certain philosophies, that there's certain ways of thinking, certain worldviews, and some of them are oftentimes, as they are today, mixed in with religion and spirituality, but he knows what a threat they are, and he's hoping by the Holy Spirit as it's leading him to be able to kind of get out ahead of some of these things, and he starts here by obviously declaring the gospel, the word of truth, and the fact that it changes lives where it is, and by um, honoring this epiphras that they would all be familiar with as they would read this letter together um, in various settings. And he's just, he's just encouraging, starting out just by encouraging them, letting them know how much uh, they mean to him and how much what he sees God doing in their life means to him. And he continues, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his word and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Again, notice once again, just as we saw earlier uh, in the, the word of truth, here, we're, here he's calling it the knowledge of his will, the reality that truth matters. Truth matters. J just feeling good about Jesus apart from truth, that's not worshiping as was echoed earlier by one of the worship leaders in spirit. And in truth. We know from John chapter 4, a verse I'm particularly fond of, happens to have the, it's the namesake passage of the, of the church that, that, that we get to serve, Jacob's Well Church. 
It says there that, that the Father is seeking out and looking for those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I think one of the things that we see today and, and one of the reasons why we still see America sliding, even though we see bigger churches getting bigger and popping up in more and more towns, and we see um, amazing um, stages and, and, and wonderfully talented um, musicians leading in worship, is, because, uh, is that apparently... It's not me saying this. I'm just saying evidence is obvious. When the gospel is allowed to embrace a group of people, there's going to be transformation. There's going to be fruit for, right? And the reality is, is if you've got all this stuff going on, but the gospel is not being presented in truth, and it's not being allowed by those individuals who are hearing it to, be, to embrace them in truth, then all you've got at the end of the day is a really cool show. And guess what? Really cool shows don't change lives. They change emotions temporarily, but they do not change lives. They just don't. As, as we look at America today, we know, and I know Drew's been, he's been in the pipeline, church plant pipeline. We're losing ground. There, there are a lot more individuals being born and moving to America than what are being saved. A lot more churches are being closed and are being planted. And just because some of them are getting bigger and doing more amazing things, by the way, I don't have a problem with big. Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost was big. Not a problem with big. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with great stages. I think everything we should do should be done in a way that honors the excellence of Jesus Christ. I mean, just look at, this, just, just look at how the temple was instructed to be built. I don't have a problem with those things. What I think our issues is that we've placed our trust in those things versus the one who is moving in and supposed to be moving in and through those things. We think that because we've got a particular formula laid out that we're necessarily going to see life change. One of the guys that I know has inspired me the most through book and through times of seeing him live teaching, I know he's been an influence on Drew, is Francis Chan. I'll never forget the first time I ever heard of him. Never even, I'd never even heard of him. This was back in 2007, October. And he said very prophetically in this arena of 11,000 people, got the point where all you could hear was that air conditioner. And he said, I came to the point in time after a sabbatical to realize that number one, if Jesus was to come to Simi Valley, he probably wouldn't come to my church. That number two, that if we were really presenting the gospel the way that is in the whole counsel of God, that we'd probably a lot smaller. We would have sent out a lot more people than we did. And we probably would have, the gospel itself would have offended more people than are currently attending. And number three, and here you remember, he's, he, he's in an arena now filled with the cream of the crop, the creme de la creme. This is catalyst. So, you know, all the who's who in, in, in church leadership tend to make a pilgrimage to, to Atlanta or one of the satellite locations throughout the year to a catalyst conference. He says, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you've got a guy who's pretty good at admin, who knows how to get the forms done, the tax exemptions, all that kind of fun stuff, the, you know, the C-103Cs or whatever, you can tell I'm not that guy. <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got someone who, who's got a bright uh, magnetic personality to work with 
children. Uh, another one that works with some, with, that knows how to work with teens and connect with teens. And you've got a, a talented person who has a, a sense of stage presence and um, just, just kind of knows how to, to, to work the flow of a service. And someone who's a gifted communicator, you don't need the Holy Spirit to grow a church. You just don't. We're in a consumer society, and if you, if you present the right product the right way, people are going to come, even if it doesn't change them. And, man, you could hear a pin drop, 11,000 people, and no one moved. We've got to be honest. There's a lot of things that we are giving God the glory for that really are just works of the flesh. And it's not working. You know how I know it's not working? Because my Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right. That means the church's forward advance on the gates of hell. The gates of hell cannot withstand it. You know how it's not working? Because I know that God is all-powerful. And I know he's just as powerful today as he ever was and ever will be. So if we're losing ground in America, it's not because God's become weaker or because God's become more irrelevant. It's because somehow, someway, we have drifted from this core truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it changes lives everywhere. It is the hope wherever it is presented. So if it's not changing lives everywhere, then something is broken. I remember very vividly as a kid, this, this Sunday school program back in the busing days. Anybody here old enough to remember the busing days where you bus? You drive one way an hour. And this church, man, and this guy, man, he bragged about 28,000 baptisms. The church was in Hammond, Indiana, not too far from where I was raised. And, uh, wow, I remember the first time I got to go to a youth conference. Matter of fact, it was the only time I went to a youth conference there. Was the, was my was between my freshman and sophomore years at CBC. I was so excited to finally get to go to that church. The first, maybe the forerunners of what you would call the mega churches, hyper, 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 shall we say, Swore the Lord. Some of you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah, that, that, that neck of the woods. I am not going to belabor the rest of you who don't know anything about it. Just be thankful you don't. Anyway. And I remember driving to First Baptist of Hammond, Indiana. Through what was basically a cesspool of a town. And all I could think was, he's been baptizing 20,000, 30,000 people for 10 years, and Hammond looks like this? It's a problem. It's a problem. Isn't it? See, one of the things that I think we've lost sight of here is this full sense of the full gospel. And I'm not talking about the full gospel in the sense that uh, the fastest growing denomination in the world would, would describe it, but the full gospel in the way that I think Paul continues to unfold it here in this text. So let's continue. Again, just getting a running start back into where we left off. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we know that it begins with truth. There is a such thing as absolute truth. The Spirit will lead us in all truth. God sent the Holy, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that he could lead us in all truth. We, we know this, that we can, apparently Jesus said we can know the truth 
so that the truth can what? It, it can set us free. So there is a such thing as truth. There is a such thing as doc, sound doctrine. There's a such thing as sound theology. So as to walk, here, here's where, how, how our behaviors change, how our lives change, how our lives begin to be wrapped around this truth in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit. If you're, if you're walking in the Spirit, what does Galatians 5.16 say for someone who is familiar with that passage? Another passage where Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and um, is writing to actually warn another group of people about another set of heresies that are trying to creep in. And it says this. It says simply, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, you're going to be walking in the spirit. Obviously, you're bearing fruit in every good work, increasing the knowledge of God, being strengthened. And this is very important for you to understand the, the exact grammar here. Being strengthened with all power. It's not uh, building up your own strength, Right? It's, it's not working out your own spiritual muscles, right? But you're being strengthened. And the, the grammar there, and I'm horrible at grammar, but I know this much about grammar. I know when it's spoken of in this, in, in, in this way, it means that something from the outside is coming in. Something from the outside is coming in. Another guy who has been a big influence on in my life is Dr. Henry Cloud. And I heard a fantastic talk, matter of fact, at a summit. I know you guys and some of your leadership enjoyed being at one of those. And he talked about the reality that he was frustrated because he had had these, some people that knew him really well called him and said, hey, we've got a problem with our pastor. And we don't know what to do. We, we know that the pastor's father died like at 55, dropped dead of a massive heart attack. And we know that our pastor's been diagnosed with the same heart disease his father had. And he's 45 and he's just clipping it. And he's, and he's about 120 pounds overweight. And he's, and he's, well, he just, he's just another, but we love him. We adore him. And, and I mean, there, everything else about him, but, but we just, we can see the ticking time bomb. And, and we love him. And you need to understand, this wasn't being judgmental or being mean. They weren't, it wasn't that at all. It was out of genuine concern. And, and can you... Henry, help me better understand how to reach our path. We've done everything we can. And Henry says, well, what have you done? He goes, well, well we, first of all, he's very self-aware. He knows this. He just, he, he's just frustrated. So, so, so we provided an accountability structure. He goes, you, you provided him an accountability structure. Uh, what does that look like? He goes, well, well we, we, we set up a situation where you know, once a month, you know, during, during our elder meeting, we, we just go around and we just ask, you know, like, how have you been doing? You know, and, 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 and there's one of us that, that asks him, you know, on a weekly basis and stuff. So he knows that. But, you know, even though we've been encouraging him and, and we've been, we've been um, you know, putting wind in his, his, his sails and, and, you know, as far as this encouragement and stuff, um, man, he, he just keeps falling off the thing. And, and, and Henry says, well, where's the grace? And the guy's like, well, what do you mean where's the grace? He goes, I, I'm not seeing any grace. And he goes, I don't understand. What do you mean? He goes, what have any of you done differently to help your pastor get out of this rut he's in? Because providing the information, that is not necessarily transformational, is it? Right? I mean, the, there was this group of guys known as the Pharisees and another group called the Sadducees. They had lots of information, but they had no transformation. They were whitewashed tombstones, according to Jesus. There was no transformation. Well, he has accountability. But how is accountability grace? 
well, we love him. Well, okay, you can say you love him, but how is that grace? Grace is something that is from outside yourself coming in. Who do you have going on walks with him? Who do you have helping, helping work with, with his wife as far as making delicious foods that are healthier options for him? Who do you have actually walking with him, getting involved in his life? See, all you've done is really loved your pastor, you've really cared about him, but you haven't actually done anything for your pastor. You know, have you gotten a health club membership for your pastor? Have you, you know, what what are these things that you've done? And and I think that helps illustrate an issue, as Henry Cloud did that day, that's, that's that's systemic in a lot of our church. We think because we believe the right things and we feel the right things, that things should change. But it's not enough. It it says, for God so loved the world. And he didn't have to. You understand that. God is sovereign. He didn't need us. He's completely, completely tickled with himself. He should be. He's God, right? But he chose to love the world, right? That, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen, 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 amen. Notice that there's not just truth. There's not just love, but there's, a, there's something he did. He gave his son. Do you realize that if the verse, went, for God so loved the world. but saw us in our state and pitied us. He has every right. He had every right to to do that. You know, like I do sometimes with not any of my children, but I I hear that sometimes, sometimes you tell your children to maybe clean their room and maybe sometimes I've heard in other homes that it doesn't happen, right? I could just come and I could just pity and lament the fact that they didn't clean their room and then there's consequences. I still love them, don't I? Don't I? Yeah, I still love them, but there be other consequences. But God didn't just love the world, he gave. And Henry Cloud saying, what have you given to the pastor? You've given him love, you care about him, but you haven't actually done anything to change, to help him change. So anyway... But you may fill with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding it so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God, being strengthened, again from the outside, with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share his inheritance of the saints in light. And again, now we're just going to go into this passage. I'm not going to spend any time in it because it, pre- it literally does preach itself. Listen, how many times, and if you've never underlined all the he's or highlighted all the he's, that would be a great thing for you to do right now is you're going to see how this grace from the outside is coming in and that's what's changing things. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for who? Him. And is before all things. And then all things hold together. And is the head of the body, the church, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything might be preeminent, for in all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through to reconcile to 
all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This grace, something came from the outside in. It wasn't just knowledge. Right? It wasn't just knowledge. If it was just knowledge, another mentor of mine by book and conference is John Ortberg. He goes, if it was all about knowledge and rules, rituals, and regulations, the Pharisees actually score pretty good. The Sadducees score really high. But not in Jesus' rubric, not in Jesus' metric, not in Jesus' way of measuring things. They completely missed it. I think a lot of times we think that the reason why, the, why America in particular is sliding the way it is is because, you know, it's the last days, itching ears, they're just falling away. Wait. <laughs> the gospel changes lives everywhere. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. He is as strong as, as he ever has been. Don't tell me that D.C. now has just figured out a way to outwit God or that Fifth Avenue and the marketing advertisers that, that have put in capitalism on steroids have just found a way to, to somehow uh, outshine the glory of God. Uh, don't tell me that, 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 that the evil schemes of those who are antagonistic towards the gospel are better than God's divine sovereign plans. No, please, let's not have a small God. No, let's don't have a small gospel. No, that's not what Scripture teaches. My Bible teaches that wherever it is allowed to be embraced by the hearts of those who hear it, it changes things. Things don't just stay the same. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Of which I become, became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to, to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. Again, he goes back to this. You see how he keeps going back to the same? Again, there is importance. There is importance in knowledge. There, there, is, there is importance in truth. And he wants to make the word of God fully known. And in particular, this mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Which is, say it with me, the next phrase, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. All of whose energy? Right, his energy that he powerfully works within me. 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding that the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with the plausible arguments. Here's where he's hedging, uh, getting at arguments. He's going to get into the rest of the book. I encourage you to read this afternoon, in fact. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And now, here's where we camp at the end. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As we close, I want to say again, to, if you haven't underlined this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Man, the first time God hit me over the head with this, or I should say just reached up and hugged me with this. Therefore, as you have received Christ as Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Here's what I want us to close thinking of as the worship leaders come forward. And here's what I meant when I mentioned earlier about the full gospel. If you were a part of the church that once met here, if you were part of my church, Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Oswego, Illinois, if you were part of Christie's daddy's churches that she might have been in the congregation of that he pastored over the years, I thank God that you would have heard a lot about how the Bible is the inerrant word of God and the final word on all matters. I thank God for that, and we stand on the shoulders of those who laid that legacy. There's no way that Drew or I could do any of the ministry we're doing today and it be blessed by God the way that it would be without the fact that we stand on the inerrant word of God, and that's something that was given to us. That is a precious legacy. And I'm also grateful that, that it was just drilled into our heads. How, how important it is, as we would sing that anthem, Amazing Grace, over and over again, for instance, that it is by grace alone that we are saved, right? It's by grace alone we are saved. And as I mentioned, that by grace alone we are saved, it, somehow, someway, and I don't think it was intentional, I really don't, but somehow, some way, I came out of that church, and I even came out of a college supported by those churches, of thinking that the gospel, that the gospel was about receiving Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, allowing Jesus to draw me and to, and to reconcile me and to save me and to film, you know, in, in that moment of salvation. And now, again... Nothing wrong with that in and of itself, right? Because that is true. It is true. It is not of works lest any man should boast. It, it, there, there's nothing in you or about you that causes him to love you. He just simply, thank God, chose to love us. That he so loved the world that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God. Amen. I'm not leaving that. I'm not drifting from that. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative whatsoever about that. But here's where I think maybe 
part of the problem, if not a large part of the problem, is that allowed us as a country, a quote-unquote Christian nation, to get to where we are today. Because clearly we haven't been a Christian nation for a long time, or we wouldn't be where we are today. And that is this, that we forgot, or maybe we just didn't spend the time that we should have been on the glorious truth that the other part of the gospel that makes it a whole gospel, if you will allow me to say it that way today, is that, and I'll quote John Ortberg here again, it takes at least as much grace for sanctification as it does for salvation. Sanctification is a big fancy seminary where it simply means to be set apart, to become holy for a particular purpose. In this case, the purposes of God. That process of you being changed, that process of you becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, that is also grace. And I think somehow we thought that that would happen if we just went to Sunday school enough, went to small groups enough, if we went to church enough, if we gave enough, if we went to enough short-term mission trips enough, if we just did, if we did this, then these things would happen. No, 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 no. We've seen in this passage, it's peppered all throughout it. It's Christ strengthening me. It's his power within me. Paul says elsewhere, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I'm no longer living. It's Jesus Christ now living in me. And the glory and the hope of the whole gospel is that he didn't just save me and then just have me sit on a mantle until he comes back to get me someday to be a part of a big, huge, holy huddle. But he saved me and he continues to live the hope of glory is that Jesus Christ right here, right now, hello, is in me right here. This guy, this guy, Jesus is in me. Hello, hello. I don't have to wait to see him someday, although I will in a whole new wonderful way and I can't wait for that to happen. But he's here and he's in me. And if I do not grieve the Holy Spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit's always going to do? It's always going to do the right thing. That's why he could say if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your job, my job, it's the same as salvation. We to simply get out of His way and allow Him to save us. If you've never come to Jesus Christ and allowed Him to forgive you of all your faults and your failures and to be the Lord, the leader of your life, why not today? I promise you He'll do a much better job of it than you have. And the same is true for the rest of it, living like Him. Oh, that you would know the joy of reading a passage of scripture and tears just start to overwhelm your face. And you know you're not silly. You know you're not strange or weird. You're just simply a child experiencing the glory of God in that moment. And the power that comes from such moments. That moment of temptation when you're staring at that screen at night and everyone's gone to bed and it's just you and that screen. All the information in the world is not going to save you from what you're going to click on next if you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Why? Because sanctification, like salvation, it's Him. You better stop in that moment and say, I can't do this. But you can. You can cause me to turn this thing off right now or open up a Bible app. Right? Right now. Of course, I was referring about you buying that new purse or watch or something, right? That's what you were on the verge of doing and you knew you couldn't afford it, right? So again, oh, South City Church, oh, don't ever lose.
lose hope in the hope of glory. Jesus Christ in you. That's what's going to change South Little Rock. That's what's going to change Arkansas. That's what's going to change the the Tri-City area. That's what's going to change Chicagoland. That's what's going to change Beijing. Right? Right, Darlene? That's what's going to change Darlene. And as I literally walk off the stage now, Drew, I remind you of something that one of my heroes of faith told me has etched my brain to this very day. The only thing that I know is a threat to what God wants to do in the ministry he's called me to. It's not the Chinese government. It's not the monitors. It's not the powers that be. It's me. Darlene shared that with us about eight years ago in Conway. Same is true here. Your problems are not DC. They're not, they're not what's on TV. Stop, stop it. This is the problem. Because when this is submitted and surrendered and synced, when this is crucified, Jesus Christ is living in you and 